welcome to Freedom Cast, a podcast dedicated to interviewing star icons and entrepreneurs who have encouraged others to become more healthy and active. My name is Ashton, and it's my pleasure to host you as we take another trip through the fitness industry. It's entertaining and informative, and I hope it makes fitness more exciting and special to you in your own fitness journey. Freedom Cast is supported by Freedom Fitness Equipment in Charlotte, North Carolina. Freedom Fitness Equipment serves the health and fitness community nationwide, from free weights and strength equipment for home gyms and studios to cardio and conditioning equipment for commercial spaces. Check them out at freedomfitnessequipment.com. Let's get rolling with today's show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Freedom Cast podcast. And it's my pleasure to welcome David Abernathy, who's the co owner of a Tsunami Bar and uh, developer of that particular piece of training gear. Uh, welcome, David. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Ashton. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, can you give people uh, who don't know about anything about you, can you give people a little bit of a brief background on where you came from and then leading up to like your college career and, and developing the, uh, the bar itself? Sure. Um, so I was, I was uh, brought up in Denver and Lincoln to North Carolina, Lincoln County up there, Lake Norman area, close to you guys up there in Charlotte. Uh, that's where I grew up, went to East Lincoln High School. Uh, after that, I, well, there I played uh, track or ran track, actually through the shot and discus, and nice. then also played uh, football there. And then I went on to play football at Methodist University and then transferred to Western Carolina and finished up my last three years at Western. Uh, became a football GA there. And then my strength coach that was there, John Sisk, went to Clemson. And so when he went to Clemson, we had a golf tournament, and I was a football GA up there at Western Carolina. He's like, hey, you want to come to Clemson? I'm like, sure. And so that's how I got to Clemson. That's how I became a strength coach. And so I became a GA there at Clemson. Uh, then I got a uh, full-time job, uh, my first job at Ole Miss uh, back in 2001. Ruben Mendoza was the head strength coach. He was a mentor of mine. Uh, and David Cutcliffe was the head coach there. Uh, Elon Manning was playing there with us at the time. And oh, wow. I see some pretty cool athletes while I was there. Um, then I became the head strength coach at Western Kentucky University. Um, I don't know if you know the Harbaugh family. Uh, Jeff yeah. Harbaugh just retired. David Elson took over and hired me from Ole Miss. And so I was there two years. My daughter was born. My wife was like, hey, let's get back close to home. And so Clemson called. Coach Batson, who gave me my job as a strength coach at Clemson, asked me to come back home in 2005. And so I was there from 2005 to 2012. In 2011, I met Gordon Brown. I was speaking at Wofford College, just about dynamic uh, effort training, conjugate training, a lot of West Side principles, hmm. and it intrigued him. And he uh, he's a composite expert. He's an engineer, uh, former uh, Navy captain, and uh, just a very intelligent guy, very um, cerebral guy. And so we started you know, putting thoughts together. He brought me in a little small stick. It had uh, fiberglass inside of it. It had plastic on the outside. It was about, I think it was about 36 inches long. He said, what can you do with this? I'm like, not very much, you know, and I was very critical at first. And then as we started talking and developing, he made me one that was about 10 feet long. I started pass setting with it. And then I said, well, what if we made a barbell out of this? And so he would go back and forth. He'd bring it in. I would play with it. I'd say, do this, do that. And he would he would go back and develop it. So that happened for about six months until we finally got an actual barbell. And uh, we put plates on it one day. 
Adam Smotherman, who's the head strength coach at Virginia right now, who was our GA at the time, uh, we were playing. I said, man, Adam, I said, feel this, feel this pump, you know, and it was crazy looking. I mean, I know the bar was flexing back and forth, which was so, so out there against what we're doing, you know, traditionally, you know, steel barbell, you get a little whip out of an Olympic barbell, uh, you get a little oscillation out of it, but not, not like that. And so we started squatting with it. We started cleaning with it. We started pass setting with it. We hooked straps up to the, uh, the squat rack and started doing jammer exercises. And from there, I was like, this is pretty cool. And then our players started using it and they really liked it. And uh, then Gordon, he's like, you want to start a business? And I'm like, man, I'm a coach. I don't know anything about business. <laughs> I said, and I said, what's it going to cost me? He said, well, about 10 grand to start. And I was like, oh my gosh. You know, and so how am I going to tell my wife this? And so we, I go home, I get my money, write him a check. We go see the lawyers, we get it started. And, and now we're, you know, we've been going into at this for a little over, you know, 10 years now. And we're all over the world. Um, I mean, we're in China and Germany and, wow. um, I mean, we sold bar, bars in Israel and Australia and I mean, Canada, I mean, we're all over when NFL teams, NFL players use it, major league baseball, NBA, um, mostly we're, we're strongest in the Southeast cause that's our reach, you know, mm -hmm. but we're starting to get a lot of calls on the West coast now. So we went around the world, but now we're getting to the West coast, which is kind of crazy that it took that long to get to the West coast, but we're getting a lot of calls now from the West Coast and had a chance to go speak at Parisi Speed School this year on it. Uh, went out to uh, Denver, Colorado and, uh, and spoke to the Functional Aging Institute about it. And so we're touching all ends of the spectrum, you know, from youth. My son started training with a bar when he was four years old. And we're touching people that are over 90 years old that come into our Tsunami Bar Training Center now on a walker. And they sit down and they use our multi-sticks just to get the resistance because they can't handle the steel. You know, they can't handle the weight. Mm -hmm. And so this stick weighs three pounds, but they can turn it into 30 pounds or 50 pounds or 60 pounds just by the oscillation and movement of the bar, just by physics. They wow. can create force without mass, you know, which is a lot safer. Uh, and they can actually do it. And it's fun. It's different, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of the story. It's kind of the backdrop behind it all. I like it. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about the construction of that tsunami bar? Like what's you mentioned a little bit about it with uh, the fiberglass interior and what's unique about it with loading without having the mass, but what's you, what's particularly unique about the tsunami bar and how exactly does it work? Yeah. So the bar, I mean, we went through, we first started, of course we used PVC pipe. Do not do that. Do not try to make your own home because it will break. Okay. Uh, that's kind of where we got started. You know, we always use PVC pipes to do, you know, uh, you know, starting points of training, like how to do technique, how to squat, how to bench, how to clean, flexibility, right, right. things like that. It's fine for that. When you try to load weight on it, it's not going to work. So we had to get a special composite made that's partly rubber, partly uh, thermoplastic. The one to give it the rigidity, a plastic gives it more rigidity, but the rubber comp component in it gives it the flexibility. So if you took the fiberglass out of the bar and just bent it in half, it would bend like a, a straw that you get mm -hmm. at a restaurant. And so inside of that is fiberglass rods. So the fiberglass rods actually what makes it work. It gives it its boing, you know, it's it's I call it the boing effect, the 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 the, the whip, you know, the so basically if you took the strings off a bow, like a bow and arrow, and you stuck it inside the tube, that's what it would be. Oh. And some people ask me, will the bar break? Well, you could bend it, you know, until it won't return, 
but you can't really break it. Uh, now you can saw the end of it off. You could take a, you know, you could take a saw and cut it, but for it actually breaking, it would be very. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm gonna say it hasn't happened. You know, and so if the fiberglass would would give, it would just kind of splinter. You know what I mean? So if you ever seen fiberglass, how it works? It's not the fiberglass is not gonna snap. It's got fiber in it. It's just gonna crinkle. You know, the same way with the tube. If it if it gets to the point where it crinkles, then uh, then it's it's no good no more. But that's kind of that's kind of the materials that it's used. But you know, the typical barbell you put weight on the inside, and weight on the inside you're just using mass, and so there's no there's no really not not that much whip on the bar. Mm-hmm. I have seen people. I have seen someone. I can't think of who it is has actually made extensions to put on the end of a barbell. Yes. And they're actually getting more flex on a deadlift and they're getting more flex on a squat as they put those extensions on there. The only negative that I see to that is, is it makes the bar about 10 to 12 feet long. It seems like, mm-hmm. did I lose you? Nope. I'm still here. You got okay. me. Uh, yeah. I just lost your picture for a sec. I didn't know oh, no. um, so, I mean, they're, they're on the right page. They're on the right, they're heading the right way with what they're thinking, you know, because they're getting a little bit more whip and they're getting a little more drag out of the bar. Um, what really makes it work is the dynamic effort of it. You know, in the past we've always used, you know, just kind of got a little more backdrop to this. Joey Batson, who was my mentor at Clemson for 10 years and still is, he's, you know, I hired his son, Michael, you know, he's, he's part of my family. Nice. Uh, and so, he was a West side guy. He was, he was a strength coach at Bowling Green state where Louie was at up there in Ohio. So oh, he wow. could visit Louie back in the, I don't know if it was the late eighties, early nineties, you know, he was doing West side before it was, it was cool, you know, and uh, it really did West side really didn't get picked up big until it, probably mid two thousands, but we were doing it, you know, at Western Carolina with my strength coach, John Sis because of coach Bats and Joey. Uh, and we were doing, you know, uh, board presses, uh, you know, <clears throat> rack lockouts, you know, um, uh, you know, boards on the chest, combative resistance, uh, dynamic effort. So to go back to the bar, it's the dynamic effort side. So we always use chains and bands using mm-hmm. sub-maximal weight, having accommodated resistance. So as the band goes to lockout, as the chain goes to lockout, you got to accommodate to that resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Same way with tsunami bar, you got to accommodate to the whip of the bar. So when the bar goes up and the bar goes down, I tell, you know, less educated athletes, uh, I said, just look for the, the smile, and the frowny face. We want it to be symmetrical as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're looking for co-contractions. So we want to have co-contractions. So we're not only training the central nervous system, we're also training the fascia. We're also training the muscle attachments. We're also training the, the, the skeletal muscular system. Mm-hmm. And also we can create bone density. So, you're getting all those things in a, in a safer round because you're not getting the load all the time. Mm-hmm. So the old way of doing things was time under tension, right? Bodybuilding, powerlifting. Right. So now we're taking that same idea and, and, and making it time under active tension, right? So we're trying to add speed to the bar, movement to the bar. How do we transfer the weight room to the field of competition, whether that be on the football field, the basketball court, the, the diamond, the tennis court, the pool, um, whatever, whatever your competition is, or in some people's cases, life, you know, you know, how do we help improve your life? You know, make you stronger in life without beating you up. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the mindset behind tsunami bar for us. 
is we want to make you stronger. We want to help you get you there faster. Once you be able to move faster, once you be able to move better, have longer, have longer um, range of motion, but also mm-hmm. improve your shelf life, you know? So the shelf life, people don't realize that we, hey, we can get guys strong, but do we beat them up on the way there? You know, yeah. how, how much do we beat them up? And then when yep. they get in the competition, they really get beat up. They may be strong the first four games of a football season. I'm just going to use football as an example. Mm-hmm. The first four games when they start getting beat up, maybe we beat them up too much in the weight room. Mm-hmm. We got them super strong. But when you get in the competition, they're, they're doing max effort in practice. They're doing max effort on game day. Right. I do max effort in season as well. And so eventually something's got to give, hmm. you know. So I'm just – I'm thinking about it from a sport aspect, you know, mindset. Um, it's a little bit different than a home gym aspect, but it'll, it'll still translate. It'll still transfer, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you'll get stronger, you know. Like we just had, you know, I don't know if you guys seen uh, Nick Chubb. It was on ESPN Sports Center. You know, he was squatting 610 on the tsunami bar. You know, <laughs> the backdrop behind that is that he actually trained with that bar for eight weeks. Then he put a steel bar on his back toward the last part of his training. He didn't train with a steel bar the whole time. Wow. Put that um, he put that steel on his back on like week seven or eight hmm. and set a PR. I think he did like six fifty for wow a couple. You know, then he power cleaned four oh five. I mean, that's a strong that's a strong man right there. You know, that is. Yeah, no I mean, I I haven't seen many guys that strong. He's a he's a one percent of the one percent. You know, and he yeah. can move too. You know, you can see powerlifters do that, but they really can't move. They can move. Mm-hmm. Inside and outside the rack, about it. <laughs> it's true. Was um so so the tsunami bar adds a level of destabilization to the lift, and then that'll work all of your stabilizing muscles, like you were mentioning. It'll increase your your strength and power and endurance. Um, and I'm assuming for athletes that that it's is it working more of the musculature then you're saying it's working much more of the musculature than a regular bar would because of the movement up and down? Yeah, so it's not so much – it is working the muscle. And so we did a remote EMG on athletes. We did test them on our lab at Furman University. Hmm. So when we, when we tested those athletes, we found out we had three times more muscle activation based off the EMG testing. Wow. You know, EMG was, test, was, was telling us that. Okay. All right. And so, therefore, we were also getting more time, three more, three times more stabilization work. And here's the thing: there's no such thing really as a stabilizing muscle. You you basically have prime movers. You have an anterior chain, a posterior chain. Okay. <clears throat> one becomes the stabilizer. One becomes the prime mover, and they work in locomotion. Hmm. So that's what I mean by co-contractions. They're working together, right? Okay. So if you can think about a train working, you know, <clears throat> the 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 front wheel is not a stabilizer, and the back wheel is not a prime mover mm. they are both right so when one is pushing one is pulling mm. right and so the push pull we actually have a patent on the push pull um so the push pull method is what creates the actual force behind the bar so we want to push the bar and pull the bar now you can also just do an eccentric movement where you control it and you got oscillations moving on the bar you can also do a, con- uh, a, a concentric push on it where you can work on bar speed you can also do an isometric hold where you sit at the bottom, pause, and fire out. Same way on the bench press, the squat, deadlift, whatever you want to do. So in those things, what I tell my son, who's a middle school football player and wrestler, 
You know, he's been trying to snipe since he was four years old. And I tell him, I said, son, you think about eccentric movements, okay? Think about eccentric, eccentric, isometric. Eccentric is we're fighting gravity. We're trying to stop gravity. <clears throat> Concentric, we're trying to push gravity, push it away from us, right? And then isometric, we're trying to suspend gravity. So I try to make it to where a, a young kid can understand it. So now he understands how to train and what point to stop the bar or control the bar on the way down to stop the bar and then reverse the bar back in a concentric movement. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. For sure. So, so I try to put it on the cookie shelf for him, you know, nice. sometimes I got to put it on the cookie shelf for myself too, you know, <laughs> but, but it's still just, just trying to make sense of it. You know, I had to prove to myself back in 2012 that this really worked, you know, because I'm from the old school, man. It's about the steel, you mm -hmm. know, about the steel and my gosh, we don't use the steel. You're not getting strong, you know, yeah. <clears throat> that's one way to get strong. Yeah. Uh, is it the best way now to get strong? It still can be. You just got to be careful because what I found through lifting heavy over the years, if I pushed and pushed and pushed, eventually I broke, you know, yeah. if your muscles are made of composites and your body's made of composites, you know, and all these fibers and everything, steel is eventually going to break fibers right mm -hmm. over time. So when the steel barbell sits on your back, you know, or pushing your hands, that pressure point is going to be right there. It's going to come down right at that pressure point. Yeah. If you got a tsunami bar, or let's just say, let's say something else. If you got a weighted vest on you, you're spreading the weight. You're spreading the weight of, of the of the force. So all the force is not coming into one spot. It's being spread all over. So if you got a weighted vest on your back, and you got all that fascia on your back, your shoulders, then you're also getting more activation there too. You know. Nice. So I'm trying to think how can we help the military. You know, how can we help the military with this? I wish I could find a way to put one of these bars on like a backpack when these guys go on their oh, run. Oh, man. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's something I'm trying to figure out now, too, you know. And we're also trying to figure out how to put accelerometers on the bar to see the actual amount of speed and force we're getting. Ooh. Use that equation. And then that'll give us an actual number, an actual strength number. Mm -hmm. The general pop that doesn't have the same education that we have can actually – see if it's working and, and, and get something quick. Cause people want to know, what am I doing? You know, yeah. how much pushing here? You know, I, I know I've got 25 pound weight on the bar. I got a 15 pound bar. And if I move it three times the amount of the weight on the bar, then I'm probably going to be at about, you know, two, 300 pounds and eat at the crest and the trough of the lift. Wow. So as the bar weighs or as it waves up and down, you can actually increase it three. We've even seen up to seven times the amount. Wow using the actual accelerometers on the bar. So we put on a force plate and we use accelerometers and we use a re remote EMGs to actually try to get testing. Now it's impossible. It's not impossible. It's just very expensive for the general population to be able to test and see those numbers. You right. know, so we're trying to find a simple, inexpensive way for people to have that testing ability at their home or in schools or wherever, you know. I like that. I love the integration of technology. That's a big thing that's becoming, particularly in the home gym space, that I've noticed um, a lot of these guys were talking about integrating technology with like racks and bars and things like that. So yeah. that's super exciting. Real quick, uh, most of our audience is probably more familiar with the earthquake or the bamboo bar. So right. how is the tsunami bar different than those uh, training training tools? Yeah, so those bars are good bars. I mean, yeah. um, they're good bars. And so what they do, is you load up and you control. You don't, you're not using it for speed. Those bars okay. are made for eccentric and they're slower, eccentric, concentric movements. But what you're getting is that perturbation, that oscillation 
hanging in front with a with a band or with a hook or some type of strap right bending weight off of it right okay so when you use a tsunami bar you're actually creating a force that by pushing and pulling it you want to create more speed that creates a force right there's the difference in the two you can do the same thing with tsunami bars you can with those other those other uh bars mm-hmm. the bamboo you know all those bars uh but you can't get the whip right on the way back up you can't get the push pull okay uh, those bars don't have the same whip those bars are pretty stiff and they're not made to perform that way so we made the tsunami bar to perform in movement so you could you could put a, a bamboo bar on your back and you could walk or you can bench with it or you can hang it over your head and you'd have good oscillation mm-hmm. i've used them before they're good mm-hmm. You know, it's just different than a tsunami bar. Tsunami bar is is movement. It's um, the more you move, the more it's going to whip, the more it's going to flex. And if you can make it put on your back or in your hands, and you actually make it part of your body, then you're getting all that force into your body and back out. So we want to put force in the ground, but as you push it away, we want force coming out of the ground. We want to develop ground reaction forces. That's why the fascia, all the muscle attachments, and everything are so important. Because there's studies out there now that say there's eight times more sensory receptors in the fascia than there is in the muscle. Uh, interesting. Wow. This comes from Bill Parisi, and this is from the Australians that are studying out there in Australia. They're studying uh, the kangaroo and the koala bear. All right, they both have the same amount, same type of uh, fast twitch and slow twitch muscle. They have the same muscle groups. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between the kangaroo and the koala? is the fashion is hind legs. So what they're saying is in Bill Priestley's book is that when the kangaroo jumps or when he jumps six feet or he's just barely walking, he expands more energy than he does when he's jumping 40 miles an hour or 44 miles an hour, 40 feet at a time. And so by having that fashion, the fashion doesn't get fatigued as quick and it can return force quicker. It's like a rubber band back there. You know, mm-hmm. the muscle is more, you know, it's kind of we're kind of getting away from what we were taught back in the day fast switch slow switch type a type b mm-hmm. type x you know those are still important because you got to have those muscles to do that <clears throat> but you look at the smaller athletes now who are faster stronger more powerful leaner longer i mean you look at all those bodybuilders i mean and i love them and i'm, I'm a big guy too but we just can't move like those smaller guys <clears throat> and they're just as powerful you know they're just as powerful look at the nfl big long lean guys like the linemen now are big long and lean you know and look at the look at the the fashion the muscle attachment they have on them yeah. you know i think about a guy like hunter renfro you know hunter renfro the wide receiver for the uh, oakland raiders oh, okay yep. he's, not, he's not a very i mean if you and i looked at him on the street we'd be like that's just the everyday joe right there <laughs> you know? and compared to a dk metcalf who's another mm. great athlete right but Hunter Renfro is an all pro guy. Mm-hmm. He's got the ability, man, to go and get what he's got. I think he's maximizing every cell in his body when he's running routes. You know, uh, I mean, this nothing against him. He just doesn't mm-hmm. look like a great athlete, which, but he is, though. Yeah. You know, he's got the ability to recruit at a high level. Mm-hmm. But he's also smart and intelligent. He understands how to move his body. And I think sure. that's important, too, is having knowledge, too, not just being a big brute. Yeah. You know, we used to, we used to say, you know, look like Tarzan, you know, but have a Jane mentality. You know? <laughs> so we got to be careful. You know, if you get, he's a big old good looking dude, but he may not be able to move. You know, Right, right. 
Um, from a just from a practical outcomes standpoint, so what differences have you noticed on athletes that are using this bar versus the ones that aren't? Um, are they faster, stronger, jump higher, like verticals better? What kind of things are you seeing? Yeah, especially the vertical jump, the broad jump. Uh, I've seen. I mean, referring back to Nick Chubb, his yeah. strength went up, and he trained predominantly with tsunami bar. You yeah. know, we're we uh, built his high school weight room, and that's kind of how he got hooked up with it. Hooked up with his with his yeah. high school strength coach and uh, and head coach, and so those guys are training big time with tsunami down there, and so we've seen strength numbers go up, and we've seen strength numbers go up before the tsunami bar using dynamic method. You know, mm-hmm. chains and bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we would combo it up. You know, speed force max is kind of what we would do. We would do a dynamic effort. We would do uh, more of a, a linear periodization type deal in the middle, and then we do a max effort at the end. So you're training through your energy by training this way. You're getting you're hitting more of your energy systems too. ATP, CP, oxidative. So you follow them in an order. You know, one's more like a like a rocket fuel. One's like a gasoline, and one's like a diesel fuel. The diesel fuel is strong, but it's not. It can't move as fast. Right? It's mm-hmm. not as not as limber. The ATP is like straight sugar, straight octane. Man, you hit nitrogen. You know, you hit it, boom. But then it's gone. It's a good starting strength. You know, so that's kind of how we're training through the processes of using the energy system in order to best gain strength as well. Uh, so you got to keep that in mind as well as you're training. Um, so yeah, I've seen. I mean, guys' verticals go up tremendously, you know. Um, I could tell you a lot of stories. I just don't want to tell you too much without guys without asking them, you know. Uh, <laughs> sure. Some of colleges and stuff. I just don't want to put it out there, you know. That's fine. The only reason I talk about Nick Chubb because it was on social media, you know. Yep, yep. And we actually got to see it for ourselves, you know, how strong oh, yeah. it was. And he, people don't realize when he squatted at 6'10", at the bottom, that weight's flexing at the bottom when he can, when he goes to stop that weight. So you think about the eccentric movement on the way yeah. down, and then as he isometrically stops gravity from coming, tries to suspend it, that bar is still coming down. So he had to take that compression force and return it back up into a concentric movement. You know, that's crazy. I know that's. I mean, so six ten. I'm not saying you know if he had, if he had two twenty five on there. And he moved the bar about three feet per second. He could triple the amount of weight on the bar. Now six ten, he wasn't moving the bar fast. Yeah, Still, he did more than six ten on that squat. You know, he wow. did a lot more. I mean, I, I just to guess, he's probably eight nine hundred pounds on that bottom force on that push down. Yeah, absolutely. Holy cow! <laughs> so think about a weight coming down on your back. Oh yeah. And then right when you get ready to push away, there's a, a little bit more coming down on top of you. Yeah. You know, that's what that's like. Not an easy it. thing. And he did it a couple times too, you know. Wow, that's a monster. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you've been coaching for quite a while. You've done a lot of coaching for college and college athletes. Um, what is the biggest thing that's typically missing from training regimens when you're coming in there for the first time? Uh, you know, as set up by previous coaches in college sports. So the number one thing, you know to start any training is your diet, right? Eating, yeah. eating right. You got to fuel your body. And sometimes, you know, it's not just, you know, everybody's like, well, I got to have this perfect diet, man. Sometimes we just want guys to eat. A lot mm-hmm. of guys coming out of high school just don't eat, period. Yeah. So when you're starting as a strength coach, you kind of got to give and take as you go. You want them to have this perfect diet, but man, you just want them to eat sometimes. So you're just trying to put calories in their body just to get them moving. 
You know, I mean, you could you could mow your grass all day long, but if you don't put any fertilizer or water on, it's never going to grow. It's not going to yeah. grow correctly. And then you need sunshine too. Same way with nutrition and training. So it all starts with you cannot train a bad diet. You know, yeah. um, you know, in college coaching, we always said this: you cannot train a bad diet. You cannot train uh, bad players. <laughs> <laughs> And he can't out train bad coaching either. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so you gotta have all of it to be to be great. You look at the great ones, they got it all. They got mm. they got a great nutrition plan, they got great players, and they got great coaching, you know, consistent. They're consistent all around. So I say the big word too is consistency. When you're yeah. trying to build anything, I always try to relate to putting money in the bank with the players. I'm like, mm. if you want to build wealth, you got to put money in the bank. You can't put money in one day and, and take more out the next, you know, by going out and smashing alcohol or, or, or doing drugs or whatever. You got to be consistent, you know. Um, I'm not saying you can't do those things. There's, there's, a, there's a time and place. You got to, yeah. you know, time in your life that, you know, and playing sports is not that time, you know, yep. because. It's going to dehydrate you. It's going to make you lackadaisical. You know, I'm not saying you can't do those things later on. If you're legal in your area, you can do what you want to do. But when you're playing a sport, sport doesn't, you can't be like the general population. You got to be, you, if you're going to try to be common like everybody else, you're going to be common. You're going to be out there with them. You got to be uncommon. Yep. You know, you got to be uncommon. And I don't think there's really any secret to training at all either. I just think the best do the common things in an uncommon way, you know. Okay. They just try to find, I mean, that's kind of why I look at the tsunami bar. What's common? The steel barbell, right? That's mm -hmm. common to everybody. What's uncommon? The tsunami bar. I'm not saying we're trying to replace the steel barbell. We're just trying to add to it and make it better. You know, right. I'm a pure, I'm a strength coach. You know, I trained the steel barbell my whole life, yep. you know, and still do. And, uh, but I know by marrying it with the tsunami bar, you can take it to another level. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and then from a, just from a college football standpoint, specifically, um, are there any key weaknesses that you saw as a coach coming out of high school that college football athletes really had to focus on in their training? I mean, uh, uh, nutrition obviously being important, but anything else? Yeah. Yep. So just learning to be accountable, learning to be disciplined, learning to, to be part of a team, you know, when you're in high school, you're the best player, you know, it's all about you on that team. A lot of times, you know, all the attention. And when yeah. you get to college, and I'm going to go to training on this too, but I'm just kind of giving you the whole backdrop of the whole thing. Yep. So learning to be on a team with a bunch of great players, mm -hmm. you know, and learning to put the team before yourself, you know, because when you're growing up, you're getting recruited. You got to learn to be de-recruited in a sense, because in high school coming up, you may even been a rec ball, middle school, high school, you were the best player. So you're always looked up upon and you're always being, you know, I call it being stroked and petted and oh, yep. you're, the, you're the prize, you're the prize, you know, uh, pony over here. And then when you go to college, it's not that way anymore. You got to get de-recruited. You got to, you got to realize, you know, you, you earned the right to be there. Now you got to earn the right to stay there, you know, yep. and be part of a team. It's like being a champion. You know, you earn the right to be a champion. Then you got to earn the right to stay a champion. You got to keep working. There's never, you never arrive. It's always a journey, you know, um, so some of the weaknesses are kids don't bend as they're not, they don't bend as well hmm. as they used to. I don't think, I mean, they're, um, and they bend at the waist instead of the knees, you know, um, there was a guy that played for the Redskins, uh, or excuse me, he was a coach at the Redskins, uh, Dale Lindsay. And when I was a young coach, he came to Western Kentucky and talked to our staff because he played there. And he talked about, he wanted, you know, from a Neanderthal 
type standpoint. We want a knee bending, you know, Neanderthals kill with their hands, mm -hmm. you know, and a caveman killed with a stick. Once he learned how to kill with a stick, he stood upright. And he'd always say, man, we want knee bending, knuckle dragging killers. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> he said, but when he became a caveman, he stood up tall. He didn't have to bend anymore. He just swung a club to kill his food, you know? So he said, try to have that Neanderthal mentality where you can be a knee bending. What I'm saying is playing low, no matter yeah. what sport it is, basketball, football, baseball, softball, whatever, have a, have a, uh, you know, a power position, be able to get in a power mm -hmm. position mm -hmm. and play out that power position is what he was getting. He just told a story to try to help you understand. He's putting the cookie on the cookie shelf for the kids, <laughs> you know, but uh, I always use that with my young kids too. I, just cause they like to hear it. They're like, Oh yeah, I like that. You know, uh, nice. if that makes sense. Just the bit, the ability to be able to bend, um, you know, but now every, not every high school, but a lot of the top high schools now have, you know, a lot of college drinkers have left the profession and went to high schools now. And so a lot of these high schools, especially in the Southeast that I know of and in, in Texas and around, I mean, they're getting college strength coaches coming into the high schools. So their training is, is really going to be really, really good in the next 10 years. It's going to mm -hmm. be really good. It should really improve. Because now, you know, I'm in a weight room business now, and their high schools are building college weight rooms everywhere. That's awesome. You know, college type weight rooms. And so it's going to keep getting better and better. Yeah. Uh, but this, you know, we went from playing outside to playing video games and cell phones, you know, where kids back in the day didn't have cell phones. They climbed trees and climb under fences and go over fences and yeah. this and that. And they didn't have that. So now, we need weight rooms more than ever because we don't have those things anymore. We live in neighborhoods. Right. And there, there's no, where there are no trees. The tree may grow, but the kids already grown up by the time it gets to be that big. It's true. You know, because of all these neighborhoods and everything. Yep. yep. So just teaching a kid how to bend and how to move. And probably one of the best exercises you can teach a young kid how to do is how to bear crawl. Okay. Get on the ground. We call them bear crawls, puma crawls, you know, where you get in a position. Because in sport, your hands, your hips, your feet are what connected to you to being a great athlete. You know, okay. if you can't move those things together, then you're not very uh, fluid. You're not very, okay. you know, productive. So this a simple thing as a bear crawl. When I used to coach all the rec kids, part of my warm-up drill was bear crawls. We'd go out there and we'd start bear crawling. Um, it made the kids, again, a total body strength to work on. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, on that same note, um, just from a training and coaching standpoint, I mean, I, I would assume, especially for like world-class athletes that any, any average trainer could make those for an untrained athlete that's world-class, they could make them better just by doing some basic stuff. But what sets apart a real coach who really knows what they're doing, um, with really good coaching outcomes from just marginally better coaching in your mind? Well, it's just the fine tuning. It's kind of like if you could put a, you know, people refer to this a lot of times. You put a basketball in my hand, and it's okay. You put a basketball in Jordan's hand, he's awesome. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's just the art of coaching. So a guy that's been doing it a long time, you know, coaching 20, 30, 40 years, he sees things that a young guy don't necessarily see all the time. Yeah. So I think that's now that's why they're using all the technology to help aid in that. You know, I think back to the back times where, where people used to build things without the calculators, without the lasers, with all this other stuff, and they were still yep. pretty pretty good. Yeah. Because it was an art. It was an artistry. There were artisans, mm -hmm. you know. So that's the same way coaching is. We need science to back it up. We need the technology to kind of, you know, 
it's kind of our dashboard to see where we are, mm-hmm. but there still has to be a wisdom and knowledge and artisan part of that too. You know, how do you mix the art side with the science side? You can't just let science dominate mm-hmm. and you can't just let your art go all over the place. The science kind of keeps it inbound a little bit. Um, I'm trying to answer your question, so I'm getting there. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so it's just the fine tuning. You can just see things, uh, whether you, you know, on a squat, you're going to work on vertical shin, uh, shin angle. You're going to work on, if he's squatting vertical shin angle, develops hip power. You know, if he works on more of an Olympic type squat, he's going to have more ankle flexibility. So a lot of times we don't combine them both. You're missing one or the other. Uh, the shoulder mobility works. So hip and shoulder, um, uh, joint capsule mobility and strength around the, those areas and the ankle mobility, uh, strengthening around if you're a football player or even really heck basketball players get concussions now too. soccer players, you know, yeah. strengthen the base of the neck. Uh, the diet also helps prevent uh, concussions as well, but I also uh-huh. think uh, pouring into the athlete's mind and the athlete's soul, you know, uh, a young guy can motivate an old guy can motivate through wisdom. You know, a young mm-hmm. guy can have energy and get him excited when he's down. Yep. But an old guy can just straight tell him the truth, you know, and say, <laughs> hey, this is what you're doing right. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you need to work on. Uh, when I was at Western Kentucky, uh, David Elson, who became the head coach of Jack Harbaugh, he said, Coach Harbaugh would always say this, mental is the physical, as three is the one, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about your body, you know, being a one part, but your mind being three parts. Yeah. So your mind is your general and your body is the army. So yeah. there's a lot of psychological part going into being a great athlete too. Yeah. And learning to be a, if you're trying to get to the highest level, learning that you are the CEO of you, you know, and how do I develop myself as a CEO? I don't just get an education one time. I just don't play football one time. Mm-hmm. I'm always refining my skills. I'm always trying to learn. I'm always reading, studying, podcasts, uh, listening to podcasts, anything I can to give myself an edge, you know, yeah. And something to 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 uh, bounce your ideas off of and, and push them against the grindstone, see if they work or not. You know, yep. so uh, I think those things, just the refining part of it. Anybody can make somebody tired, but only a few can actually coach somebody. You know, right. you can put you can put, and this is not against. There's a lot of good young coaches out there. Sure, but I, I was a good young coach too. You know, when I was in my twenties, but I look back at myself now like God. I wouldn't have done that. You know, I wouldn't have done that or done this, or I'd have handled that differently. And that's mm. what time brings you as a coach. So if you got an old coach that's still in the battle, be scared of him because he hadn't got killed yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if you see an old guy in battle in a war, yep. he's still he's an old guy, he's 40, 50, 60 years old. That dude's learned how to survive. You know, yeah. so you might want to talk to that guy a little bit. You might want to learn something from him because he's learned how to stay in the game, you know. Yeah. When you're young, you just think, and I was the same way. You just think, man, I've read all these books. We got all this information out, all these new studies, Mm -hmm. all this new data out. But you know what? The data is going to change in 10 years. Yeah. So the guys 10 years behind us are going to come behind us. I think they got all the answers because they got all the new data. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it's all going to keep changing and evolving. And so we got to, you got to stay on top of that too. So if you are an older guy, you got to be willing to look at the, the, the new data too. Because yep. the data from the 80s and the 90s is no longer, it's still good, but it's not the best. Right. You know? So you've always got to be educating yourself. It, an education is not a four-year college or a high school or, four-year mm-hmm. or, or a master's degree. It's a lifelong study. 
you know, of your discipline. So you've always got to be willing to, to make yourself a pro, whatever you're doing. If you're not studying it, you're not a pro anymore. You're an amateur. It's a right. hobby to you. Right. So you got to take your idea from a hobby to being a pro. Yep. I like that answer. Um, I want to dive a little bit into a different topic because uh, this is my first love, which is strength equipment and fitness equipment in general. But um, your work with William Strength, can you tell us when you first became an, uh, a co-owner with William Strength and um, how that came about? Yeah. So when we developed the Tsunami Bar, we'll go back before then. So mm-hmm. when I was at Clemson, I've had all different companies that I've, that I've worked with, all great companies. Yeah. Uh, when we were at uh, – at Clemson, the first time uh, we had a company called Arahawk, uh, which he no longer makes equipment anymore. Uh, he made great stuff, I mean, great equipment. And then I went to Old Miss, and we got uh, there was some old Nebula stuff. You remember Nebula? Yeah, yeah, some Nebula stuff, and they're no longer in business. And then, uh, then we got Powerlift and some hammer pieces in. Mm-hmm. You know, Powerlift and Hammer were kind of working together, and, and Powerlift to me at the time was was awesome. You know, yeah. it was great stuff. Yeah. Then I went to uh, West Kentucky and we had Sornex. Sornex mm-hmm. makes stuff too as well. You know, we our our company and Sornex actually be in business together. You know, we used right. to Scott Williams used to build for them, you know, and um, and then of course we went separate ways. Um, and then came back to uh, Clemson and that's where Coach Batson had met uh, Mike Ramsey and Scott Williams and we had William Strength in there and it was this real heavy duty stuff. I was like, man, this is good stuff right here. This is, you know, and of course our company, we built for Elite FTS too, William Strength. You know, yep. built Elite FTS and stuff with Dave Tate. Those guys are awesome over there. Yeah. Uh, and then when I went to Furman, I had Hammer Strength, you know. So, I mean, all that stuff is good. All these companies are good, you know. Um, but my relationship with William Strength started then. And then we developed the Tsunami Bar. They said, hey, we'll take this on. They didn't want to at first. Nobody mm-hmm. really wanted to. They wanted it, but they didn't want to, like, go dive deep into it and invest money to get it going because yeah. it was so different. And they didn't know how to use it. I mean, nobody did. They mm-hmm. got, we came up with it. We're trying to figure it out the whole time. And so they said, hey, we'll take it and run with it. And so we took it and run with it. And so 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, Mike said, hey, won't you be my education guy? I'll pay you to come and, and uh, you, you know, you can write articles and things like that. So I started doing, I started doing a thing called a coach's corner. And I did that for a, about six months, maybe eight months. And then in 2018, uh, a couple of guys left the company and he said, hey, you want to come run my sales company, you know, Total Strength and Speed for William Strength. Yep. So our company's like this. So William Strength is our, is our equipment. Total Strength and Speed is our sales division. They sell everything. So we can sell cardio, flooring, everything. That's that's our sales unit. William Strength is our company, our brand that we sell. Tsunami Bar is our specialty product. So we're three companies in one now. Nice. <clears throat> so in 2018, Mike asked me to come. And I was like, I don't know. And then uh, and then I thought about it. This is pretty cool, man, because I've always liked designing and, and, and putting weight rooms together. In 2009, I helped Coach Batson. We had a big piece of plywood on a table in there, and we had cut out pieces of racks. This is before everybody was doing designs on computers and things, you know, yep. all these detailed renders and everything. We're doing, <laughs> you know, we do crazy renders now before yeah. they were doing all that. So we cut out, we drew pictures and cut them all out, and we kept, you know, on a, so you imagine a four-by-eight sheet of plywood with a piece of plexiglass on top. That was our weight room in the West End Zone. 
Nice. So we cut it to fit the building and we cut our equipment to, to, to scale. <clears throat> we kept moving things around and moving it around and moving it around. And then, of course, William Strength built our weight room in 2009. And so that's where that relationship started really strong. Uh, and then 18, I came director of sales. Uh, you know, we had our salesman there, uh, Will Ellison, Steve Moffat, and, uh, and Carl Middleton down in Mississippi. And in 2000, and though this year, uh, I've just now purchased 35% of the company, so I'm a partner with them now. And so that's kind of where I am now with these guys. And we've hired a new team, and we have more of a team approach now instead of an individual salesman. We all work together. So I, I wanted to go that route because I wanted to serve. I, I know as a team, I've always been part of a team. <clears throat> and I told a guy the other day, I said, well, you, when you develop yourself as an individual, you make the team stronger. And then when a team gets stronger, it benefits the individual. And so we've had that approach the past year, and, man, we just keep growing. It's like our numbers have, you know, we, we went from, we almost, we really doubled our number from 2018 to 2021 just because we took a team approach and now we're about to go again we're not going to double that number from last year but we're going to double we're going to main going to take that number another you know on top of it uh, again we're going to take another big step this year and as we get our team developed even more we're going to probably take another big step for next year the forecast down the road looks really awesome and so that's kind of where we are right now uh, just taking a team approach and um, just where one guy might be weak in one area, another yeah. guy strength picks it up, just like a team. Yep. So you got offensive linemen, you got quarterbacks, you got skill players, you got D linemen, linebackers. Everybody's got a certain skill that they can bring to the team and make it better. And some people are deficient in other areas too. So one guy's strength picks up another guy's weakness and vice versa, right? And yeah. so that's kind of how we are there now. I love it. Um, I'm curious just from, uh, cause I like nerding out about this kind of stuff. What's the best training or, uh, slash gym setup that you've seen at a school that's kind of already in place? Not something you guys have installed, but just something that you've seen that you've been really impressed with. Yeah. Are oh, you talking about college, high school or what? Uh, I'll go, let's go college. Okay. Um, well, I just seen where play did one at Florida, um, uh, this ocean left it up. I thought it looked awesome. You know, just the color designs and everything. Uh, Georgia by Sornex looks really good. Nice. Um, you know, we did Clemson rooms back in the day that were state of the art. Of course, they flip and go again. And, and Clemson is really still one of the top ones out there, you know. Yeah. So big and massive. Clemson, I've been to all those other ones in Clemson just by the sheer size of it. Mm -hmm. and all the different pieces they have in there from different companies. They got a, they got us and Hammer and Sornex and um, all these other different companies in there. Wow. It's, a, it's a combination of all of it. So I still think Clemson's the best one that I've mm -hmm. seen, um, in my opinion. I might be a little bit biased, but <laughs> it's still – it's still. I mean, you walk in there and you're like, man, this thing – it's like a crystal palace. It's yeah, covered in yeah. glass all around it. You know, it's like 20 – top and bottom, I think it's like 28,000 square feet or something oh, like that. Wow. I mean, it's a huge room, you know, and it's just so open. So that's probably still the best room, in my opinion, but – everybody's trying to get caught up and do that. And some of these smaller colleges are building nice rooms too. You know, the smaller colleges are building nice rooms. Heck, these high schools, you know, if you go to South Carolina, you know, you look at Gaffney high school who won a state championship last year, mm -hmm. you know, built that room. And that, I mean, it's a, it's a $3 million weight room, you know, for wow. a high school, you know, wow. total project. And that was the 2019 number. Imagine what it would cost right now. You know what oh you're, gosh. you're in the equipment business. You know what it costs now. Oh yeah. You know, and uh, 
So I look at those rooms, you know, like there's a Dorman down here, there's Spartanburg, there's Gaffney, there's Bowling Springs, and all these other T.L. Hannah, West Side down here. I mean, they all have, you know, multi-million dollar weight rooms at, at the high school level, you know. Wow. That's so, impressive. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, because they're, they're, they're spending, like you just said at the beginning, like they're spending more time and effort on these strength setups, which will actually improve their athletes' performance, but it didn't use to. I'm curious why. So do you think it just wasn't as much of a priority in the past? They didn't have the funding? Like what was the factor before? Well, I just think that as the colleges have grown into it, we're colleges mm-hmm. back in the day. So let's go back, let's rewind back to Clemson back in yeah. early 2000s. You know, we had, there was five strength coaches in the whole department. Now there's five strength coaches for football. There's <laughs> five strength coaches for Olympic sports. There's two strength coaches for basketball. Wow. There's a strength coach for uh, baseball. So everybody has their own strength coach now. And so all that does is trickle down to the high school. So they see how important it is. Mm. And they see the value of the kids getting opportunities to get scholarships. And so when kids get scholarships, they're investing in their kids. And what it does, the more you can have a place where kids can go train, it keeps them off the from doing bad stuff too outside of school as well. Yep. So that's the benefit as well is is if the kid works and lifts, he's going to be more confident. It's probably going to. I like to see the correlation of grades. You know, mm-hmm. by them training, what's the correlation of them making better grades? You know, and maybe having more confidence and maybe actually trying to achieve higher goals than they normally would have had. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to measure all that, but I, it's got to be better. Because I know when I lifted as a young kid, I felt confident, you know, maybe a little bit cocky a little bit, but, <laughs> but I was more confident, you know, the strong, you know, we we're competing too. So it teaches you how to compete, teaches you how to be disciplined. You're learning a new, even if you're not doing a weight room, if you're doing like a, a martial arts discipline or something, you're learning mm-hmm. a new discipline. Um, you're learning a skill that you can use for life, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. David, this was a super informative. I really appreciate the background, particularly on the tsunami bar. Um, I don't actually think funny enough. Um, I'm like, I, I think I was saying earlier, I was more familiar with the earthquake and bamboo bar. You actually really have made me want to purchase a tsunami bar now. So <laughs> I think I'm going to go out and do that. Um, but thank you for the background and, uh, the information on the coaching. I hope our, our audience, particularly those who are in the uh, high school and college demographic can, uh, take some of the the training techniques that you were mentioning and really be able to apply it to some of their, their sports specific um, applications there, but um, where can people find um, more information about uh, tsunami bar as well as uh, the business you're in with William strength? Yeah. So two, two ways, tsunami bar, www.tsunamibarsports.com. T-S-U, uh, T-S-U, N-A-M-I, uh, bar sports.com. So some people spell tsunami with an S but it's T T-S-U. If they want to look at, um, William Strength stuff, go to www.totalstrengthandspeed.com. They can look at those things. And if they're interested, in, they can call me. My cell phone number is 864-221-7269. And my email is coachab, like the word coach, and then the two letters, ab, at fatbars.com. Just email me, and I can set you straight with any of those. And so um, they can call, email, um, or go on the website and purchase as well. Awesome. You're in the education department for William Strength, and uh, so are you coaching coaches on how to how to train their athletes? We are. We do that. We do what's called a Speed Force Max certification. Okay. We started off doing a tsunami, but I wanted to take it deeper than that. 
Yeah. We teach you how to set up a program, use a tsunami with, with tsunami or without tsunami, you know, so you can integrate the bar with your program or not have to use it if you don't want to. Uh, and this is based off all the, the, the cool thing was when I was training guys was not just the coaches. I was, I was around great coaches, you know, Joey Batson at Clemson. I mean, he's been there forever. Mm-hmm. John Sisk, who was at Vanderbilt, Georgia state, Western Carolina, uh, Georgia Tech, you know, Ruben Mendoza, who I coached with at Ole Miss. He coached at Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Chattanooga. Uh, he's at Wayne State now. That's where his kids go to school. Nice. And uh, so I'm, I was around great coaches, around great head coaches. But I was also around great players. And that's what I tell people. I learned a lot from watching players and how they ran and how hmm. they worked. So you can see the great ones do things that some people just can't do. Yeah. So when you're asking the question earlier, how do you take – the top shelf guys to the next level, they've already got it inside of them. You just yeah. got to direct them to it. You just got to take them to where you know they can go. And everybody needs a coach. You know, I, I always tell my guys, everybody needs a mentor and everybody needs a mentee. Everybody needs someone in their life that can pour into them and everybody else needs someone they can pour into. You're like, you should have a river mentality and not a lake mentality. Yeah. You know, take your wealth of knowledge and pour into somebody else and bring somebody else up. You know, just the, the idea, Coach Mendoza and Coach Batson always said, make it better for the next guy. Yep. By making it better for the next guy, you try to leave the place better than you found it, but you also try to educate people and give them the wisdom that you have because it helps save them a lot of a lot of headaches. You know, if you want to be rich, you study a rich guy. You don't sit there and get beat over the head for 20 years trying to figure it out. You go to him first and try to see if you can take 20 years down to two years, you know. Yep. So. That's just my little tidbit. Um, I like it. I like it. I love the mission that you guys are trying to accomplish through that through that business. That's fantastic. Yeah, we want to serve. I mean, that's our biggest thing. We want to serve coaches. We're all coaches. All my yeah. coaches and former players. All of them are. Mike Armstrong played at South Carolina University of South Carolina, and he coached at, he coached in South Carolina high school for thirty years. Uh, Todd Hagler's in North Carolina. He played at Illinois Ryan coached at UNC Chapel Hill as a strength coach and coached at A.L. Brown and uh, Richmond there and coached at uh, River Bluff in South Carolina. Carl Middleton down in Mississippi, he uh, played He played at uh, Mississippi State O-lineman and he coached high school ball forever. Uh, at Oak Hill, was defensive coordinator there. Michael Batson, um, he's coached Batson's son, you know, so he grew up in a weight room. He grew up, he was a puppy when I was there. You know, he was just a little pup when I first started. And he's worked for the Panthers and, and other people, so he's got a lot of a lot of connections and and, uh, and knowledge as well. And then Will Ellison has been with our company about the whole time. He's in our office, so he knows he knows everything. He can tell you about any product in our office just to a T. He just mm-hmm. knows. he's been with them so long. So that's what I'm saying. On our team, we have all these different strengths that people bring to the table that help make us good. But our main focus is we want to serve all these coaches out there that are, that are personally, we, we want to try to give as much as we take. That makes sense. It does. I think I understand now why elite FTS has partnered with you guys as opposed to any other company is because elite FTS's mission is almost identical to what you just said, just within the powerlifting realm and their educational quality of content is very similar to what I think what you guys are trying to do with like the sports specific ap- applications. I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's, I'm sure that's what sets you guys apart too from, a lot of other companies are just trying to sell you on something because, you know, it looks good or, or whatever. Like you guys actually are invested and care about the athletes and the, what, what the equipment's doing for them. Right. So. 
that's some of the funnest part of the job is when I get a chance to go work with the coaches and the athletes after we set the room up. For every room that we sell, we always try to do a clinic at that place. Just nice. at least coaches, and they, if they want to invite other coaches to come in, they're welcome to. And so we just try to educate as much as we can by the coaches that we have. You know, if you pick up one thing, I'm not saying that we know more than you know. We just may know something that you may not know that we can help yep. you, you know. And if it's just one thing you pick up, it's worth it, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. David, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, guys, go check out William Strength and the Tsunami Bar. And uh, I really appreciate it, David. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. I enjoyed it. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. Please give Freedom Cast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot to our business. Plus, it's fun to read y'all's reviews. See you next time.